everyone, this is Chad, CEO of Mission.org and your host of Mission Daily. Maybe you've heard the climate isn't doing so hot. That's why in today's episode, we're sitting down with someone in the space who's doing big, big things to get a handle on this, get a handle on pollution and make things better and brighter for the future. So who is that person? Today's guest is Karsten Tem. He's the CEO and founder of Pivot Bio. Pivot Bio is at the bleeding edge of tech in the ag tech world. They are using synthetic biology and a whole bunch of complicated stuff in the labs to make fertilizer way, way better. And they're reducing this in a huge way, which fights pollution, climate change, and improves our streams, tributaries, oceans, everything like that, which we need to do. So we talk about synthetic biology and the different aspects of what Pivot's doing and their first product, which is called Proven. It's fascinating. And Karsten breaks this down and much more in today's episode. We talk about many different aspects of the ag tech world, which is a fascinating space in and of itself. We talk about building company culture, establishing and implementing company values, how the team at Pivot Bio measures performance, as well as the importance of getting out there, boots on ground, and connecting with your customers in person, which Karsten is a pro at. You're going to enjoy today's episode, and this is the future of the ag tech world. Pivot Bio, let's get into it. Let's take a quick time out to thank Trinet for sponsoring independent media like Mission Daily. Hey, I know running a business is not easy. One of the biggest challenges is HR with all of its details and regulations. So I chose Trinet. Their experts make everything from payroll to benefits and even compliance easier. And they offer full service solutions tailored to your industry and your company, whether your team is 10 people or a thousand. For me, that means less worry and more confidence that it's taken care of the right way. You and your employees deserve the same. Check out Trinet for your HR needs today. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Today's guest is a repeat guest. Karsten, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be back with you and get a chance to catch up. Yeah, definitely. So the first time we spoke, you came down, we connected in person, and you caught us up a little bit on the world of synthetic biology and what your company Pivot Bio is doing. But for anyone that didn't catch that first interview, could you give us just a high level overview of who you are and what you're up to at Pivot? Sure. So I, my name is Carson Temme. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Pivot Bio. And we're an ag tech company that is displacing the world's fertilizer with a probiotic microbe. And when people think fertilizer, they might not think climate change. However, these are things that are really at the forefront of a lot of different scientists and researchers' mind because they're such big problems. When you think about where the industry is at as a whole right now, how do you like to describe it to people that might not be familiar at all with what's going on there? Well, my co-founder and I, Alvin Tamzier, we started Pivot because we're on a mission to make sure that our agricultural system is resilient, especially given all of the changing uh, climate patterns around us. And, and what we realized is to be able to be truly resilient, agriculture has to ensure that we have prosperity for our farmers, that at the end of the day, we can scale the system because of the growing needs of our planet. And do it in a way that the 
environmental footprint of that agricultural system doesn't get bigger. It actually shrinks. So at the heart of all three of those things, if you think about the Venn diagram where they overlap, fertilizer is right at the middle. And it's, it's really because there's inefficiency tied to the way fertilizer is produced and used today. There, there are side effects. Fertilizer is, is kind of the fuel. It's the gasoline that makes the whole system go but about half of it turns into pollution. And that's the part that we can't continue to scale. We have to think of something better. And that's, that's ultimately why we started Pivot Bio. So when we talk about an industry that's that large and about half of fertilizer turning into pollution, is there any way you can kind of illustrate the size and scope of that problem for us? Well, sure. So the industry itself is massive. It's a couple hundred billion dollars annually. And to put that in perspective, corn, wheat, and rice, those are the the big commodity crops that really fuel the planet and feed many people around the world. And that is half of the world's fertilizer use. From a, a side effects perspective, nitrous oxide is one of the most potent greenhouse gases. It actually, it's uh, lasts in the environment up in the atmosphere for about a hundred years and it's 300 times more potent than CO2. And, and the biggest source of nitrous oxide is that fertilizer, just 1% of fertilizer turns into nitrous oxide. Wow. Okay, so this is obviously a challenge that we have to get solved here pretty quickly. One of your first products is Pivot Bio Proven. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that and how this product is combating this problem. Glad to. When we lost last talk, it really had been on a journey, a, a journey to be able to solve the technology holy grail for agriculture. And that's how do we get away from using big chemical factories to produce fertilizer and get back to nature's solution. And there are actually microbes in the root of every plant. Uh, it's the crop's own microbiome that can breathe in the air around us and turn nitrogen gas into ammonia for the plant to use. And so we had built this first product, Pivot Bioproven, and uh, over the last two years now, we've been in the process of bringing that to farmers across the U.S. Now, the micro is amazing because what it does is it's, it lives in symbiosis with the plant, and it spoon feeds the crop nitrogen every day. And it completely eliminates that pollution side effect that you'd have with fertilizer. Very cool. And when you and your sales teams or marketing teams are rolling out the product and talking with farmers, talking with networks of farmers, how has the reception been this far? And I'm curious, you know, where was that a year ago and where is that today? It's really a phenomenal time because there is a buzz across the Midwest about what we're doing. We're fortunate that there's a lot of awareness of the challenges associated with using chemical fertilizer. And there's a broad awareness among growers that there is something better. It just is this untapped potential in the crop's microbiome. And so farmers are excited to talk to us, to engage with us. And, and we've seen demand just off the charts. And our team is doing everything we can to be able to build relationships directly with growers. So one of the things that's most exciting to me right now is we have been not only on a mission to breakthrough on technology, but to really rethink what it means to serve growers. And we've come up with a business model that allows us to directly connect with and deliver and sell our product to farmers in a way that is really disruptive to 
how the fertilizer industry works today. Is there any way you can kind of break down that model? Because I'm sure that this is an industry that's done things one way for a very long time. So yeah, how are you going about disrupting the sales cycle and the supply chain here? Well, at fertilizer companies, you have to produce chemical fertilizer in a huge factory. So if you've ever seen any sort of refineries out there, think something that size that is taking in uh, a lot of natural gas and being able to produce fertilizer as an output. Right. And it's big and bulky and you need barges and trains and trucks to be able to ship it around the world. You have to have somewhere you can store it, a big warehouse. You have to have a bricks and mortar shop to be able to, to sell it to farmers. And then you need a way to be able to transport it and, and huge tractors to, to put it on their fields. And our product, because it's microbes, because it's essentially just a little bit of dust that grows together with the plant throughout a growing season. Now we can use FedEx, UPS, a more modern logistics system to be able to do a, a little bit of a, a fermentation, a, you know, the kind of thing your microbrewery would do and package up our microbes and just drop it in the mail and send it to a farmer. And, and it allows us to say, what if we could have our early adopters sell their neighbors? What if we could leverage many small business owners in the, the Midwest, independent sales representatives of other types of products in agriculture, use an app and sell farmers our product, and then we'll ship it to them in the mail. And that just is a, an entirely different way about getting somebody the underlying fuel that makes their whole harvest possible. Sure. And I would imagine too, farming is an industry that's facing a number of different challenges, whether it's sustainability or profitability. These are things that are at the forefront of every farmer's mind. Are there any examples you have about how farmers are able to achieve like way better results or kind of get some of these worries off their plates by partnering with Pivot Bio? Well, a lot of great benefits of working with us. Some of what we've been able to, to recognize and help champion for our customers over the last year or two, it has been an extremely challenging couple of seasons because there have been heavier than normal spring storms and summer rains. It's really been a, a set of environmental conditions that have put pressure on the way farming has been traditionally practiced. I think a lot of our customers saw more and more of their fertilizer being washed away into the rivers. And so we've just seen growers have more peace of mind being able to, to use our product, knowing that it, it latches onto the roots of the plant and it doesn't get washed away. And, and so once they get it in the ground when they're planting their seeds, they can essentially just forget about it, knowing that it's, it's going to be there delivering nitrogen, even if they have a big rainstorm. Very cool. That's one of the most exciting things that popped up for us over the last couple of years. And I'd love to shift direction and start to talk a little bit about culture at Pivot Bio. And you've built a really impressive board of directors and scientific ad advisory board. And I would imagine, you know, to do what you're doing, a company and team as well. So when it comes to culture building and recruiting all these stakeholders and advisors and allies, yeah, I would love to start to hear, you know, what's your philosophy on all those topics? Great questions. And, you know, maybe one way we can start breaking it down is thinking a little bit about what, how we translate that, that mission to make sure agriculture is resilient and kind of that vision that we're making sure growers, farmers are, are prosperous and, 
and we're scaling the entire system for the, the needs of the future while making sure we don't destroy our planet in the process. I think that that to us then starts to boil down into what we've distilled as our four company values. That at the end of the day, we want to make sure we are really creative in how we think about solving the world's biggest problems. It necessitates being able to to go after some very audacious goals in a fearless way. The only way you can move quickly, though, the only way we can really take advantage of being able to do something new is to be very open across our team in the process, being able to to really focus on relying on each other and being able to share both the good and the bad, the challenges and the the wins and the losses across the team. And then that type of behavior, the way we we model that to each other, it, it leads to a lot of inspirational opportunities that it's it's something where we gain strength from each other because of what we see happening around us. That's kind of the core of the culture we're trying to build, sure. that it, it means we can move quickly and do audacious things. So what are those four cultural values? And then I would love to get into maybe some examples of how you model those or when a person on the team has modeled them. Breaking the four of them down, it's solving creatively, acting fearlessly, modeling openness, and inspiring each other. Very cool. And when it comes to solving things creatively, is there a member of your team or a co-founder where you think that they like really exhibit that cultural value? One of the, the great examples, I think, is the way our entire research team operates. Just today, before we hopped on our conversation together, I'd, I was in some meetings thinking about how do we take the process that converts an idea on a napkin all the way into a product and completely rethink what we've done last year. How do we make that more direct so that we're able to get a farmer a product faster? And how do we eliminate some of the things that they might have opened doors for us a year or two ago, but now our knowledge has expanded. And so maybe that step, like that experiment, doesn't actually tell us anything new. It, it could be unnecessary at this point in time. So can we completely overhaul what it means to do experiments to push the, the boundaries of our knowledge? And, and I think we just had a breakthrough on one of the types of experiments we do in a greenhouse. And now it's going to eliminate maybe two or three other experiments and maybe even cut an entire year off of our development cycle. We want to take a quick time out to thank Trinet for sponsoring independent media like Mission Daily. When you're growing your business, you'll need to solve all kinds of HR challenges and you'll need Trinet. Trinet gives you expert advice on HR compliance, attracting top talent and how to efficiently outsource your HR Get started now by checking out Trinet's free e-guides at trinet.com slash e-guide to learn more about how to tackle these issues. Now, let's jump back into today's episode. I'm interested as well. So like you're forming a number to do things at this scale, you're forming a number of different partnerships. So one of them is you recently joined the Phytobiomes Alliance. And is there any way you could maybe break that down and we could learn a little bit more about, you know, what is that and why is that a big win for your company? You know, maybe I'll, I'll take a step back and I think highlight that, that there are a lot of great ideas that inspire us from the neighbors we keep. And at our heart, we're trying to bring science and knowledge to a, a new level in a way that translates into products that, that radically change growers and the planet around us. And so 
you mentioned our, our scientific advisory board a few minutes ago, and, and sure. anything we can do to help advance the broader academic community's capabilities and, and the reach of problems that we can study, that's the kind of, of thing that we try to nurture all the time. Across the industry, I think there's innovation happening in, in so many different places that the more we can try to connect with other like-minded disruptive companies and then promote good practices, promote the latest discoveries from the academic world and bring those all the way to the way that they'd influence government policy or that the way that they'd influence product adoption and commercialization. That's what we're looking for when we, we try to find the industry groups we join sure. or even the, the kind of companies that we partner with. So I would guess another partnership was the uh, N10T, I guess, and I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, partnership where I guess you're, you're basically teaming up to help combine your technology with their networks. So about 1,500 different tech-savvy growers going to help roll out your product or how does that work? Yeah, could you break that down for us? Yeah, great question. I Intent, a company that is really trying to combine maybe what you think of as, as like consumer reports with the best and most progressive and, and technologically savvy growers uh, across the Midwest. So trying to find the right way to get the latest ideas and the latest products in front of the folks who are, are driving the, the forefront of what it means to farm effectively and very successfully. And we looked at what they're building. And we said, you know, what we need is, is some real unabashed, unbiased feedback on our product because you know, being able to have that feedback is going to make us stronger and better. And, and so by putting their network and their ability to test products at scale together with the pace that we operate and the new innovations that, that we had, it, it meant we were able to get a product on the market faster in a way that was going to be more effectively tuned to what farmers really needed. And we didn't make mistakes around trying to design a product with the wrong kind of packaging that was hard to use or really design something that might have meant a farmer would have to change what they do today just to be able to benefit from our ideas. Right. So I'm curious to know, you're landing these partnerships now, the company's growing, you're expanding. A couple of years ago, or if we take it back to maybe like 2010, was any of this a reality in your mind? What was the, uh, the kernel of the idea like back then? Right when my graduate work was wrapping up, when my co-founder's graduate work was wrapping up, I think the things that we, we were thinking, I remember some, some times we were walking back and forth from the academic lab to the coffee shop. It, we said, you know, we have a really difficult, impactful problem we're working on. And, and we think that we've come to a spot that we have a roadmap on some pretty disruptive solutions. There's a lot that we don't know. We don't know how we're going to finance this, what the right kind of partners are that can help open doors for us. We don't necessarily know what the right final product looks like. And we kind of have an idea that, that there's some value it can bring to a, a grower, but figuring out how that fits into the bigger picture is, is still a TBD. And, and we may be at that point, we have kind of a napkin idea of the solution, but we still need to translate that into reality. And, and so we said, it, it kind of feels like there's a, a possibility but we need to go and, and prove to ourselves that, that this is the right time and place and we can find the right people around us to bring this to life. Since then, it's really about 
can we take a step or two forward because uh, a door opens, because we're prepared for opportunity and we've surrounded ourselves with the best possible teammates and the best possible investors and ultimately the best possible growers to inform that, that we're helping translate some really interesting ideas into valuable steps forward. For sure. And I think along the way, you've just you know, systematically increased the probability that this is going to become inevitable and that growers everywhere are going to adopt Proven and yeah, your technology. And I would also like to get your take on, you know, it's been said that business is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, you're well into your journey now. I'm curious, what advice do you have for other CEOs out there or aspiring business executives who are thinking about getting their company started? Great question. I, I'm sure I have a, a lot of things that we've learned that didn't go right or didn't go according to plan. And maybe one thing that's always held true for us is while it's a marathon, one of the things that's an advantage for us is our ability to challenge ourselves to move faster than we did before. And it's not necessarily doing more but it's being smarter about the steps we take. So maybe those steps become bigger. Sure. And when it comes to your product and proven, how is the product iteration cycle? You know, what's that like for an ag tech product? And how does that differ from a software engineering? Are there a lot of similarities there? There are some similarities. Fundamentally, our big pace setting metronome is how plants grow and how long it takes to be able to put a seed in the ground until you can harvest a crop. In a lot of parts of the world, that only happens once a year. I think in a few fortunate places, you can get two times a year you can harvest a crop. And very rarely do you ever end up with a place where that, that happens more often or, or year round. A lot of the way we try to think about innovation is, is given that as the large metronome that really sets the pace customers can interact with us. How do we crank out new ideas? How do we de-risk the steps to getting things in a customer's hand on a faster timetable? And what can we shift faster and faster clock cycles that is predictive or allows us to take the best ideas to the slower clock cycles or move only the best ideas to the point where you try to expose a customer to them? And so that might be a little bit different than, than some of the other digital or other types of tech industries. Sure. And to speed up that metronome, I'm curious, are you doing anything with vertical farming or growing indoors or hydroponic farming where you can kind of speed up that cycle and test things internally? There's a lot of similarities in the way I think research that's done in a greenhouse is evolving and, and some of the ideas that are emerging in vertical farming have cross compatibility with research we can do in a greenhouse. And so one of the great innovations that helps make our work possible is, is the ability to sequence DNA and the ability to write DNA that that ultimately we now have a microscope for seeing what happens below the, the soil or in the soil. And we can start to really understand that the molecules of nitrogen from the air that a microbe is processing into ammonia for a plant. And I think that ability to fingerprint what's going on is the new dimension enabling a lot of computation and, and analysis outside of a greenhouse. Sure. So Carson, let's take a step forward, maybe, you know, five years, 10 years, or 20 years, 
and let's say proven is able to achieve mass adoption across the US and the rest of the, the farming world, what type of global impact is possible for this technology once it really reaches scale? Over the next decade, I want to make a big challenge for my team that together with our customers, the, the farmers we serve, we're going to be able to displace 100 million tons of nitrogen fertilizer. And the impact of that is not just on those farmers, but for all of us, that that's going to translate to more than a gigaton of CO2 that we prevent from being emitted into the atmosphere. That's epic. I love it. And not to mention all the ancillary effects of you know healthier runoff and healthier fish and ecosystems that surround these like farming communities. When you're thinking about like your day-to-day work week, is there any normal work week for you? And also interested to know, do you make it out to the field very often to talk with farmers and growers? Great questions. I think the the regularity I try to find in my work week is characterized by the number of times I'm able to interact with everybody on my team and really get in a a problem-solving mode. How can I try to get a regular cadence of being able to be there and help open the door for some information that might not have been part of that conversation before or nudge the team in a way that, that gives them some new opportunities? And that's kind of how I think of success throughout a week. That's fascinating. So basically like a KPI for you is like the number of problem solving oriented conversations you can have with everyone on your executive team and just the team in general? Yeah. And, and really, where is it that I can kind of have a, a dent in the universe that because of my position or the kind of information that flows my way, it adds something that otherwise wouldn't be there. Sure. Now, otherwise, what's the point of having me on the team? I, it doesn't do any good to sit in meetings all day. I'd really like to help kind of open up some of those possibilities and, you know, put that opportunity back in the, the teams that are best positioned to really be on front lines of the problems they're solving. And when it comes to making it out to the field and talking with farmers and farming communities, where are you at there? And what are you seeing when you're going out and talking with folks? This should be a, a really exciting year. We're in the kind of planning mode right now of how to get as much time out in in the Midwest, since that's where most of our customers are throughout the year. And so I think right now I'm, I'm looking at making three or four different trips out uh, kind of throughout the summer. I've got a couple of uh, conferences I'm at over the next couple of weeks where since this is kind of that time of the year when most of the farms in the U.S. are lying under a, a blanket of snow, folks are packing up and going somewhere warm and, and there's a lot of farming conferences. So trying to find some good ways to connect with all of our customers or potential customers and then get out and, and get some boots in the mud as early as April. Very cool. Yeah, that's exciting. I'd imagine a lot, there's a lot of farmers hibernating. And when you bring them into the booths at the different conferences, I would recommend setting up a podcast booth. We've done it a couple of times and it's just like a magnet. And especially in the farming community, I know several of them and they love trading stories. So getting those folks on the podcast might be a, an awesome idea. I love it. Carson, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being generous with your time. Is there anything, any final thoughts you want to leave our listeners with? A lot of folks are in technical fields. They're very ambitious. And yeah, any final thoughts or call to action? Well, I really encourage anybody who is intrigued by ag tech and the ability to make more broad connections between 
how farm, farming operates today and, and how it could work to improve the world around us in the future, reach out to us. I think there's a lot we have that we can do to connect to non-food and ag industries through our sustainability footprint. And a lot of what we can do today to quantify that impact could really translate to benefits outside of agriculture. If you're in the business of running data centers, if you're in the business of running a, a transportation grid, either the electrical grid or in the, the transportation business, I think a lot of our sustainable impact could, could translate over. So really invite folks to reach out to us and we'd like to find a way to partner together. Carson, that was awesome. And cheers to the work you're doing and getting that extra gigaton of CO2 out of the atmosphere. Really appreciate the work you're doing and uh, best of luck out there. Thanks a ton and keep up the great work. Your team is fabulous. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you. As a small business owner in ultra competitive Silicon Valley, I used to worry about losing my top talent. I don't anymore. And here's why. I figured out how to offer access to robust benefits like a big company does, but I couldn't do it all on my own. That's where Trinet came in. Trinet helps tens of thousands of small and medium-sized businesses across the U.S. with HR. And they provide you with top-notch industry-tailored service for your HR needs. If you're building a business, you know you need a great team. Trinet is your team for HR. And when you choose Trinet, you'll help support independent media like Mission Daily. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.